0: back to the gamecockscoop.com podcast the official podcast of gamecockscoop.com on rivals Uh, if you're ever looking for extra gamecock content in between our weekly podcast that's the best place to find it gamecockscoop.com uh tons of free and premium articles every single day over there Uh, i'm caleb the publisher of gamecockscoop.com joined by alan our main beat reporter in columbia um Lots of stuff has happened since the last time we spoke. Uh, I believe if you go back to that, you will see us kind of riding high on uh, the men and women's basketball success and um, little singing a little bit of a different tune this week. Uh, before we dive too deep into that, let's talk about a couple of football notes. Uh, obviously, it's the offseason, so those come a little bit slower. Um, from a recruiting standpoint, just a couple of quick notes to pass along, and then um, I'll have a much deeper look at all of this, this weekend and the weekly recruiting wrap up. But uh, Ryan Montgomery, who anyone that's been keeping up uh, on our site would know is the Seth Ghan top uh, quarterback target, maybe top overall target at this point for the 2025 class. Um, Obviously, there are some more highly rated guys or whatever, but it's pretty important to get that quarterback locked in. And um, as we saw in 2024, help you kind of co-recruit like uh, Dante Reno did. Um, anyway, Ryan Montgomery, uh, there was some initial thought that he might uh, commit in the month of February. We're getting pretty close to the end of that <laughs> at this point. Um, I, I would say our, our new timeline is looking more like um, April-ish. Um, he did a couple of visits, including to South Carolina, Florida, and Georgia um, back in, was that January? The little open period yes. that there was. Um, and I think maybe at that time, he was, he was hoping to kind of lock in his decision then. But it sounds like he's going to do another round of, of spring visits uh including back at south carolina um during spring practice so uh maybe have a little bit more on that as as that all gets geared up there'll be a lot of uh, visitors in and out throughout spring practice i'll keep you updated on those uh on the weekly recruiting wrap-ups um but another date to target uh from a recruiting standpoint is may 31st that weekend um you'll remember those of you that have been around for a while. Uh, we'll remember that first weekend in June, first two weekends in June last year uh, were pretty crucial, and it's looking like they're kind of setting that up again. Um, a couple of official visitors have already started to announce for that weekend, and and, and plenty more will. Um, and we've talked about before, like, South is really good at, at like creating these big events, uh, kind of getting um, a little bit of buy-in and, and family atmosphere um, surrounding these guys at these events, and then um, there's a little bit of peer pressure, I think, uh, to, to commit and to kind of come play together or whatever, which is, has worked out pretty well for them over the last couple of classes. So, uh, Quick notes, it's kind of quiet right now otherwise, but um, some things to, to look forward to in the near future. And then uh, the other big news is, is Sean Elliott, uh, who if you've been a Gamecock fan for a while, yeah. is the name you should be pretty familiar with. Um, uh, he coached Offensive line underneath Spurrier was the interim coach uh, the year that Spurrier left. Really um, saw like a change in attitude from the team that year, but obviously uh, you lose to Citadel and that pretty much uh, dooms your uh, any any thought that that he was going to end up being the coach. So of course Muschamp became the coach after that. Uh, he was at Georgia State the last few years. Honestly, did a pretty good job, um, but sounds like... Four bowl games in five years, yeah. Or four yeah, bowl wins in five years. Yeah, but it sounds like he was on the last year of his contract and AD was on the last year of their contract, neither of which had been extended. Um, so maybe to some degree, he saw the writing on the wall. And um, we can also talk about his contract a little bit. Uh, he didn't take too much of a, of a pay cut uh, coming to South Carolina. Um, where he is going to coach tight ends, but he also got a run game coordinator um, title, which is something that uh, he helped a lot in revamping the run game under the under the Spurrier admin. Um, he he has like a zone scheme that that works pretty well, and uh, I mean we saw some of the best running backs in school history. You're talking uh, about a lot more years and yeah, Mike Davis as well. Yeah, um, I think the main thing
1: with Elliott you could tell how badly he wanted this. I know that's kind of cliche. Any coach you hire, any person on staff, they're grateful to be here. They're excited about the opportunity. Sean Elliott left his wife and kids in Columbia because he wanted them to live here when he took the Georgia state job and has been commuting back and forth for seven years to see his family. He told us at his introductory presser on, I guess that would have been Tuesday that he bought a new truck two and a half years ago and spent has 110,000 miles on it. Just going back and forth from Atlanta to Columbia. Um, this is. I think that says it all. This is exactly where he wants to be. This is. He said he targeted this position when it opened, not the other way around. Um, he's back with his family now. He mentioned his two kids that are in high school at um, AC Flora. Um, I think it makes you better. I think it's better for him. I think it's better for South Carolina uh, having a guy who knows the building, knows the staff, can recruit in Georgia, especially after all this time in the state. Um,
0: yeah, I think it's a win on both sides. No, I, I definitely agree and. Um, really when you look across the board now at this point, uh, assuming there are no more changes, which of course we'll see, you know, whatever, but, um, assuming there are no more changes, you feel like you're probably better off as a staff, um, definitely from a recruiting standpoint, from an experience, uh, standpoint than you were a few months ago, obviously still some, some big losses, limbo, maybe at the top of that list. Um, but. I don't know. I, how are you feeling about the the, the makeup of the staff, um, assuming that things have kind of settled down for a while?
1: Yeah, I, it's always one of those things where you're never going to know until they hit the recruiting trail, until they actually are coaching You know, in-game. and practices were still three weeks in change from spring ball starting. I think you upgraded on a whole. Like when you're taking the entire piece of it, I think you did about as well as you realistically could do in replacing Pete Lemba, which I agree with you is the biggest loss of the four. Um, getting joe Camillus in and you know a Super Bowl winning special teams coordinator who had ties to the place um like I, we just talked about i think Elliot's gonna be a big upgrade and we we were kind of in agreement that if there was a guy on staff that maybe wasn't pulling the weight and i guess Shane beamer agreed because this was the only one he actually got rid of on his own accord um Ontario hardesty at running backs coach you feel like you made an upgrade there with markel blackwell too and Beamer stuck his neck out for James Coley if you want to just complete the four. So, yeah, I would say you probably upgrade it overall, but you never know for sure on these things, so they have to go into a high school and win a recruiting battle.
0: Right, and, and win a recruiting battle at a place that's not Georgia or Alabama or, right. or whatever. Um, Texas which, A&M and Blackwell's case. Yeah, which, uh, to Elliot's credit, he's done it here before, um, and he's done it at a smaller program before. So um, I think – maybe more prepared than anyone uh, for that challenge, uh, at least on from that standpoint. Um, also, you have to think, not that I think that uh, Lonnie Teasley has done a bad job with the offensive line or anything at this point. I mean, it, it's really hard to tell, honestly. The last injuries year, last year. With all, yeah. the, with all the injuries, but um, not a bad thing to have someone that has a lot of experience, of experience there with um, Teasley, who uh, it's his first time Uh, coaching that position after helping out greg atkins uh you know when he retired and and making that transition or whatever so you know it's not it's not bad to have that guy down the hall if you need uh to ask a question or something yeah for sure um all right so that's pretty much all we have on football right now uh obviously we're going to start ramping up to spring if you go to the site actually another thing that's going on right now is uh coach perry mccarty breakdowns good ones yeah, doing doing some film breakdowns. I know he was very excited about Michael Smith, um, 2024 tight in. Uh he he believes that even at a 5.8 four star, which is what he was on Rivals, that uh he's a little underrated after breaking down that film. Um I, I tend to agree. I mean he was he was at a small school level of competition, you know, we'll have to see how all of that steps up, but uh, no doubt he's a, a physical specimen that um, has a lot of upside. Um, so anyway, you can go go read that on com as well. Let's talk a little basketball. So <laughs> um, South Carolina, last time we were on here, was tied for first in the SEC. Uh, had yeah. this big road matchup at Auburn ahead of them that uh, did not go as planned. No. <laughs> um, their worst loss of the season. But we did talk about that's a very tough place to go win uh i, I believe auburn's average margin of victory at home going into that game was like 20 something points which is absurd um and they doubled that against south carolina um and then you're like okay not the end of the world got a winnable home game against lsu um that you can bounce back with and you know i i was watching i covered that that game that day uh, I was kind of uh, pre-writing the story as the game was going on. I was like, oh, this is a, this is a win. I, I mean, it's, it's not the prettiest one ever, but I, it, it felt like it was trending in the right direction. And then things fall apart in the final couple of minutes. Um, pretty devastating uh, 65 to 64 loss. And then you have to sit with those losses. Cause there's a, there's a little bye week right here during yep. the week, this week before they get back going in this weekend. Um, at the end of the day, you're still sitting third in the SEC. You're you you still have an opportunity head to head against Tennessee again uh, to maybe move up. That's a that's a home game. Um, it'd be tough to catch Alabama at this point, but also like how realistic was winning the SEC or not? And uh, even that's not completely out of the question. So like on paper, you're still okay emotionally, physically. <laughs> um, uh, your spirit, you know, how, how are all those things doing, you think?
1: Yeah, I, I do want to backtrack to Saturday for a second because I was in the building for that, too. I wrote a sidebar. Um, you play – I don't want to say you played well enough to win because you did let a 16-point lead get down to three in the last minute, but you are up three with under 30 seconds to go, and then there's – I don't even know how to explain it. I tried to in a bit of like a mini column what happened there. Lamont Paris told us post game he wanted them to foul. He was banging his arm as LSU's dribbling down the court, asking for a foul. He is pleading for it. You could hear Eddie Shannon yelling for it. Nobody fouls. Jordan Wright hits a layup, cuts it to one, lets LSU call a timeout to set up the press. South Carolina has a timeout when they're inbounding it. Jacoby Wright either doesn't realize or just doesn't call it, inbounds it right into the corner to BJ Mack. Mack also doesn't realize he has the timeout. Admitted to us post game, he should have called it. Uh, LSU had the arrow. They tie him up. Uh, draw a foul hit two free throws win the game by one that is I guess my question to you is is that a sign that there's a problem for this team or is that everything you could have possibly done wrong in the last 30 seconds of a close game you did and you're just gonna have to learn from that
0: I think more the latter and that's kind of what I think too and I do think maybe not the worst lesson to learn now when you still have more season left um, you don't want to learn that lesson in March um, right. and uh, have to go home after that. So, I, I mean, I think teaching moment um, kind of surprising. Uh, like you said, we we kind of I, I believe in Lamont Paris's introductory interview. I can't remember if you were the one or his press conference. I can't remember if you were the one that asked it or someone asked it, but like his philosophy in that situation. And he's told us all the time we fell, you know, we, we make them shoot free throws. And it was uh, his first game. Back. They were up three in the last possession against think it was like South Carolina state last year. They fouled up three. Right. Um, so I don't, I don't know what happened there. Like you said, it sounds like the coaches were communicating it. It wasn't getting to the players. Um, weird moment, you know, and, and yeah. sometimes that, that is going to happen. Uh, I, I think I would like to think that all of those players should they be in that situation again, are going to remember what happened there um, and probably go about it a bit differently.
1: Yeah. And I guess my other question is like, you set this up overall, you're still 21 and five, nine and four in the league. You do have two straight road games coming up, but it's two straight road games against middle of the pack teams in the league. It's all Miss Saturday, a and M Tuesday. Uh, then you get, you get two tough home games against teams playing very well right now, Florida and Tennessee. And then you end at Mississippi state. We did this with baseball last spring, kind of when they were sliding down the stretch. I think we did it, like, every episode. Where's your panic meter right now, 1 to 10 for men's basketball? Because I'd say, like, a 2, maybe. I'm still not.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, like, a 3. It okay. is kind of a tough stretch, I think. I mean, like you said, they are winnable games, but none of them are gimmies either. Um, right. Like, you just beat Ole Miss by 3 at home two weeks ago. Now you got to go to their place. Now you got to go to their place. The, those guards are, are dangerous. Now, granted, I remember talking after that, um, they were knocking down ridiculous, like yeah. 17 <laughs> foot jumpers over and over throughout that night. Um, are they going to be able to do that on Saturday again? Uh, assuming the South Carolina plays the same level of defense, it'd be hard to bet on that. So, you know, maybe you're going to be okay there, whatever. But the, the final three of Florida, Tennessee at Mississippi state, um, you know that's that's a tough way to end. I think even if you lost out at this point you're probably safe, but I think so. I've, but obviously you want to carry a little me- of yeah. momentum going into March um, if you want to reach uh any of the goals that we were kind of dreaming about uh just a week ago. So Yeah, and one of those uh will oh, go ahead. No, I just I I think this weekend's going to go a long way in uh kind of determining uh, where their mindset is following a, their only side of the season thus far, these last two games.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say one of those goals we have talked about that is still definitely on the table is getting a double buy in the SEC tournament, going right to the quarterfinals. That's the top four in the league. You are in fourth now. Uh, you got two breaks last night. Florida and Kentucky both lost last night. So you're still in fourth, a full game ahead of both those. Uh, you had the tiebreaker over Kentucky. Obviously, that Florida game here is going to be crucial uh, a week from Saturday. Um, so I think that's a still, even if the regular season title seems out of reach, now you're two games back with five to play. Um, it's still realistic to try to get that top four, get the double bye for Nashville. Um, you go three and two in the last five and one of those three wins over Florida. I think you feel pretty good about your chances
0: there. Yeah, I agree. Um, and for those of you that keep up with the rankings, uh, suck on it, obviously, um, gone all the way up to number 11. They've skidded back to 20. I feel like maybe reality-wise, you're somewhere between those two yeah. based on the way that they've played uh, all season. But I kind of understand, especially with the, that tough loss against an inferior opponent um, at home, why they skidded the way that they did. But I don't know. I don't think you do panic yet. <laughs> I, I know that it didn't feel good um, last week. Um, but you... Every team in the country is going to go through these stretches, and the only question now is just: Did you peak too early? We'll find that out soon.
1: Yeah, I think that's pretty much the about the way to sum it up. And again, it's it's a tough game Saturday, but it's not an unwinnable game. It's I think Ole Miss is six and seven in the league right now, so they've clearly been beaten. Um, obviously, seven times, I guess in that case. But um, yeah, it's going to be very interested in the response Saturday afternoon on the road, off two losses, had a week to sit on it with the bye, uh, just see how that looks coming out, especially early in the game. Uh, Saturday.
0: Yeah, and I'll be covering that one on GameCockScoop.com if you want to come hang out in the live thread. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to, to seeing how they respond as well. On the women's side, you're still the most talented team in the country, uh, by by all means. Um, but uh, by their standards, I would say they also had a little bit of a, a down week the last week. Um, you got into a little bit of a rock fight with Tennessee, ended up pulling that off uh, by 11, and then we're trailing Georgia at home on Sunday. Uh, before you finally put them away, uh, ended up winning now in 70 to 56. But I don't think the score is indicative at no. all of how scary that game was. Um, what's your sense here? Is it just like some late season malaise? You feel like you've gotten through um, the hardest parts of your schedule, and and maybe you're coasting a little bit. What's what's going on with? The, I think with
1: there's I think there's some of that. I think uh Don said this yesterday at her media the availability there is a real fatigue thing for this team um obviously there's freshman Wallace for players like full while you just have never played a season this long but even like Cardoso's never started every game of the season Raven Johnson's never started every game of the season Bree Hall's never done that like you're you're just at a point where your your players haven't um, done this before they haven't started 30 games in a regular season they haven't your freshmen haven't played 30 games in a season period um and I do think there is some fatigue starting to set in with this team. Um, that being said, you're still 25-0 and 0 overall. You are one win away from clinching the SEC regular season championship. You can do that tonight at home against Alabama. I'll be there. Come hang out in the thread with me. Um, and then I think you start to wonder, once you put that away, once you you know hang the banner or get the one seed in the conference tournament, are you starting to rest players? Are you starting to manage some minutes? You've got three games left after tonight till the conference tournament. How do you go about getting this team back to kind of peaking for March? Because I think they're pretty clearly not peaking right now.
0: Yeah, I also wonder if there's anything to be said about uh, Cardoso's absence and then coming back. Now, granted, she's played great in, yeah. in both of those games. Um, but just like the rotation, the um, the flow of the game uh, being changed up a little bit by having her there versus what we saw against UConn. Um, It's obviously something I think that they figure out and it's obviously something where you're better off uh, having her on the floor than not. Um, But I wonder if that's a factor at all too, just getting reused to uh, what the, the rotations in the squad looks like when she's there.
1: Yeah. And then another point I'll uh, I'll give credit to uh, Brad Muller, the radio broadcaster who pointed this out to me yesterday. Um, Georgia played a ton of zone on Sunday, which they haven't really seen much of this year. Last year, every team they played was just trying to zone them. Just zone, zone, you know, they can't shoot. Don't let them pack the paint. Don't let Aaliyah Boston do what she does. And now because they can shoot so well, teams haven't really been doing that. They don't want to leave shooters open. Uh, But Georgia just said, yeah, we're going to zone you and you're not going to shoot as well today. And South Carolina, I don't want to say panicked, but they looked like they hadn't seen it much before. They did jack, I think, 18 threes in the first half and weren't shooting well, which is why they were down at halftime the last place team in the league. Um, and I just wonder if maybe they're going to start seeing more opponents zone them after what Georgia did for a half and if that's going to be a problem going forward. Yeah.
0: And also to South Carolina's credit, I mean, you, yeah, you had your, was, was it your largest halftime de- deficit of the season? Um, yeah, I
1: believe so. Cause they actually cut it to like four or five of the
0: half at LSU. So yeah, it was. Um, and you bounced back and immediately took yeah. control of that game coming right out of halftime. I, I believe Pow uh, Pow hit a three, like within the first minute. And yep. they were off and running from there. Um, so they responded, uh, took care of business. Uh, I don't, think it's something long-term to be concerned about um but yeah got to be careful uh down the stretch here alabama is a team that could beat you yeah if you, have team. you don't win 20 games by accident and then you still have tennessee uh lurking there at the end of the schedule who you know gave them a little bit of a scare last week too so uh, i don't i don't think that you're <laughs> to the point where you feel like an undefeated regular season is an inevitability based on the last last two games um but you still obviously would Put your money on it.
1: Yeah, I think definitely you want to win at least one more game, and you should to get the conference championship, hang another banner. Uh, I still think that matters more than people think. Uh, people, When you enter national titles, conference titles kind of become out the window, but I still think a regular season title is a big deal, especially for this team that wasn't picked to win it. They were picked second preseason. So get that. Um, but I also don't think a loss will be the worst thing for this team. We've said it for a while. I don't know where it's going to come from um again maybe alabama tonight they play pretty good defense they can shoot maybe tennessee clips you maybe one of those two road games i think it's kentucky and arkansas next week um but yeah i think right now it's all about march figuring out what the deficiencies are now and making sure you don't have them at this time next month you've got four regular season games and a conference tournament to figure that out
0: yeah absolutely and like like you said, uh, they have a little bit of a Alabama problem, Alabama football problem, right now. Yeah, um, where the the expectations are just so high that uh, don't forget to celebrate yeah. things that didn't happen for the last several decades before Don. State no, that's guy that's, or, a,
1: that's a good point. Um, I was talking about it with someone yesterday. If they win tonight, or when they win their next game. That's eight and 11 years conference titles. They had won zero and 40 before Don got here and no program in the league other than Tennessee with Pat Summits won eight conference titles. You'd be getting your number eight tonight. Like, again, no one's going to care if you don't win the final four. I get it. I know how this works here now, but that's still a big deal.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Um, So we'll have full coverage on that on GameCraftsGroup.com later this evening. Um, Let's turn the page a little bit of baseball. It's a, it's officially uh, kicked off. So opening weekend was last weekend. Um none of the games got rained out. We were a little worried about that for a second, but uh nice very nice weather on Friday and then kind of dreary and a little bit cold Saturday, Sunday, but worked out just fine. Um and then they've won two midweek games since then as well, so off to a 5 and 0 start. Can't really ask for much uh more than that. Let's let's start with the Miami Ohio stuff. Um I think that was probably the better opponent of the three that they've played so far um I guess what did you learn uh from the series over the weekend I definitely have a few takeaways Uh, you did Friday Saturday I I covered on Sunday um a lot of my takeaways have to do with Roman Kimball and uh really I maybe let's start there in general how are you feeling about the pitching better or worse than you did uh this time last week
1: yeah I think probably better mostly just because the numbers you've been able to throw um i get it it was miami ohio it was winthrop it was queens yesterday um you especially yesterday like you were you were able to i think you saw matthew becker gets back from his injury only throws two innings same as kimball who we're going to talk about in a second and then it becomes an eight inning game with the 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 run rules so you have six innings to cover six different pitchers throw an inning you only gave up three runs five hits uh yesterday you finished with 17 strikeouts two walks you're just kind of it's too early to see if you have, like, an elite bullpen that can roll out six guys in an SEC game. But at least, like, for midweeks, and maybe in a Sunday when everyone's out of pitching anyway. Like, you've got depth right now. I think you saw some good stuff from Tyler Dean, the Virginia Tech transfer. I think he threw an inning in that no-hitter on Sunday. Um, Tyler Pitts, or the freshman, pitched a scoreless inning Sunday in that no-hitter. Another one yesterday.
0: Um, trying to think. Ty, Ty Cobb looked good. Uh, Ty good. good. Ty Good, not Ty yeah. Cobb. <laughs> I mean, um, I'm sure Ty Cobb would have looked good, too. But... <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, Ty, that's a good point, too. Ty Good pitched, I think, Sunday and Tuesday this week. Um, he looked good. Um, again, you're just rolling out depth, and then your top guys, Eli Jones, six innings on opening day. Can't ask for anything more than that. One run allowed. Dylan a little bit of a slow start, but he got through five innings. No runs allowed. Uh, I think he gave up one run, actually. And then Roman Kimball, I think we agree, is kind of the main takeaway from the weekend only two innings Sunday
0: but five strikeouts two very dominant yeah. innings and, and and dominant without being perfect um he was con- he was struggling a little bit with his fastball um he was hyped he was so stoked to be to be out there um every single after every single one of those strikeouts he was like uh, you know to the moon or whatever yeah. and i i think that hype to some degree had him overthrowing a little bit some of those yeah. fastballs um cuz he did have was it three walks yep. um in those two innings but, I mean, completely dominant. He didn't give up a hit, uh, struck out five of the six outs that he got. Um, I, I, I came away very excited um, after after seeing that showing. Um, and then, honestly, there wasn't that much of a, a drop-off from Ty Good for the following two innings, who was almost uh, equally as dominant. Um, like you said, Sunday they, they combined for a no-hitter, only the eighth in school history. Mm-hmm. Um that in of itself when you go through i believe it was five different pitchers on sunday yes um is a pretty good proof of concept uh, that your your pitching staff uh at least has a lot of potential um for me overall like looking at the the five game five games so far i definitely feel a lot better about a pitching staff that i was i, I don't even know if i would have said cautiously optimistic about i was kind of worried about um and i i I think so far exceeding expectations again you have to take the uh the level of competition into mind there and all but did everything you could do and and what three straight games of uh run ruling your opponent so the offense is doing all right as well
1: yeah we had no questions about the offense these guys are elite we knew they would be um 55 runs in five games ethan petry's already got three homers messina hit his first one of the year yesterday um these guys are going to mash all year i think we know that Uh, My other pitching point was Matt Williams, pitching coach. It's so early, and, you know, we don't see all the the behind-the-scenes stuff, but there's been a couple times this year where someone's been in a jam. He's come out for a mound visit, kind of calmed him down. Uh, Dylan Eskew was talking Saturday that Matt Williams calmed him down during a base-loaded jam. I think it was in the second inning of that game. Um, And then yesterday, Matthew Becker puts two straight on base in the first inning of his first start back from injury. Williams comes out, three-pitch strikeout after that ends the inning. I think you like what you see. Um, again, the opponents, we know. Uh, you're going to play three with Belmont this weekend. That's a little bit of a better opponent. They started the year 4-1, and one, um, took 3-4 out of four from Eastern Michigan and beat North Alabama yesterday in a midweek. So you're upping your competition a little, but you t- still expect to handle them. Then another midweek, and then I think what we all agree, pretty much every year is your early season litmus, litmus test. It's Clemson a week from Friday starting.
0: Yeah, and uh, definitely looking forward to that one. That should be a lot of fun um one thing i wanted to note on at least the game that i watched in full on sunday uh no homers in that um uh run rule game they won what 12 Mm -hmm. to 2 and 7 um and to me something that's been impressive with the bit i've watched of of the other games as well is yes you do have the power um but i'm also seeing a lot of patience at the play um they got walked 11 times on Sunday yeah, um, and earned quite a few of those. I mean, there are there some times where you could tell that Miami, Ohio, Ohio was, uh, you know, digging deep for pitching. Max math school doesn't have enough yeah.
1: pitching for a three-game
0: series. Yeah, exactly. Um, but also I, I thought that uh, they really battled at the plate sometimes during some of those walks as well. And, um, yeah, I, I've been impressed with the lineup really top to bottom. I mean, you have guys like... Uh, Tommy Lee Croy or, or Will Tippett, who aren't, you know, I mean, they they could <laughs> hit it out obviously, but they're not the first names that you that come right. to mind whenever you think of power. Um, but they've been pretty good about just like being scrappy and getting on base pretty consistently so far. So,
1: yeah, uh, Lee Croy especially, I think it's worth a shout out. Kingston said, I think it was Tuesday. He had a big game on Tuesday. He's their most improved hitter from last season to this year. Um, and again, tiny sample size, but you're seeing that already. He's slotting in that five spot right behind Petri and Messina, and he's protecting them well.
0: Right. Um, we'll have a full preview for Belmont tomorrow, and then and then have, have coverage all weekend for those games and the bat the basketball games and everything else. Uh, any other takeaways? I guess from these first five games for baseball.
1: Mm, not a lot. I, I think you you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. Um, that's all you can ask for right now. And like I said, a little bit of a tougher series this weekend, and then it's all eyes on maybe your biggest series of the season, at least for the
0: fans. Yeah. I mean, it's it definitely seems like we're we're ramping up to a pretty interesting spring uh, between the three sports that are still going right now, um, which is, yeah, not something that you've been able to say here for for a minute, at least across the board like that. So yeah. um, great time to be a subscriber on GameCrackScoop.com. Plenty of premium info, quotes, uh, articles every single day. And we'll be back here for the GamecocksCoop.com podcast uh, around this time next week to talk more baseball and basketball. Until next time, we'll see you.